that. Uh, but man, it was just a great Super Bowl. But we all know that. You know, how many of you know that sticking around for the commercials is just as popular? I mean, probably not just as popular, but what well, many people watch the Super Bowl for. Last week I mentioned, I think it was $5 million for advertisers to take out a 30 second commercial to get your attention for their product. $5 million. So, what we're doing today is we're going to look at six commercials. And we're going to pull from those commercials spiritual truth looking into God's word. Okay, because Danny and I have prepared and we believe that God does have a message in, in, this, in the commercials for you guys today. Okay, so we're going to believe with God. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. It's going to be like a, a rapid fire. We're going to throw things back and forth. Scriptures are going to fly. Try to, you know, catch stick with us. I will throw the football around. So please, you know, uh, it's heads up. We're going to have fun today. Amen. But before I get going and put that first commercial, I need your help because my voice is got to go. All right. I'm going to say ready. You guys are going to say ready. I'm going to say set. You're going to say set. And then we're going to air that first commercial. You guys ready? Ready. Ready. Set. Set. All right. Let's go. Hey Siri, set timer for 14 minutes. Okay, 14 minutes and counting. Waiting for cookies. Hey Siri, play me waiting playlist. Thank you. for cookie. I kind of sound like the cookie monster today. Man, I love that commercial and I love it because I relate to it in so many ways. I love some chocolate chip cookies. How many in the house love some chocolate chip cookies? I know my daughter's hand's going to go up because we're always baking them at home. But I also love this commercial because I relate to poor cookie monster there. Right? We're we baking the cookies and we want it to be ready right now and we get so excited, so anxious because we want some yummy cookies. We live our lifestyles in this very way. We begin to live our lifestyles uh, in such impatient ways. How many of us can say, hey, I get impatient quite a lot? Don't lie. I get impatient quite a lot. Some of you probably, probably are better at this. But, man, here's what I, I took away from this commercial. So if you're taking notes in your bulletin, there's some fill-ins. Um, you can go ahead and open that up. What we're going to take away from this commercial is this right here. Everything in life has its time. So you can go ahead and if you want... Those bulletins are for you. Everything in life has its time. Man, isn't this so true? Just like the cookie monster in this commercial, he wanted that cookie right now. But let's just say it finished in, in a couple of seconds. Would it be a very good cookie? Probably wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the chocolate chip cookie that he's so accustomed to eating. It probably wouldn't be so healthy for him. But he wants it right now. What does the Bible say about this right now attitude? Cookie now. We want our lives right now, everything to happen today, right now. Ecclesiastes 3, it's in your bulletin. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now, if we're honest with one another, this verse is not one of our favorites. 
This is not one of our favorites because this tells us that there are times when we're just going to have to wait on God. That there's times we're just going to have to trust God. And so many times, I mean, we're probably praying for that job or that promotion. And we're waiting for it. And we're praying. Or we're praying for healing. Man, healing for ourselves, healing for a sick one, a loved one. Or we're praying for a salvation, for a friend, for, for a family member. We want them to come and we want them to know Jesus. Or, we, or maybe our kids here. I know my daughter's turning 7 tomorrow. And she'll probably tell you she's turning 13 because she's so anxious to be a teenager already. All right, we live our lives in that way where we can't wait any longer. We want it now. We try to rush through life. But Ecclesiastes 3, chapter, verse 1 says it. There is a time for everything and a season for everything. We live in New York City. In New York City lifestyle, man, it, it, we, we're accustomed to go, go, go. We're accustomed to having everything at our fingertips. We want to get somewhere. We hop on the train station. We, we call Uber. We, we know where they're at. Right when they're coming, we there's so much in our hands right now, and this this it could be an issue. Church, listen up, could be an issue in our spiritual lives if we bring that into our walk with God. Right, because we become anxious, we become uncomfortable, we become rushed through life, and and this is something I was reminded this week, man. When you rush through life, you run the risk of many missing many of life's beautiful moments. I don't want to rush through life and miss my children growing up and every, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to celebrate seven, seven years and, and, and I don't want to miss a moment. Church, you don't want to miss a moment of every day that God has given you because it is a blessing. But we don't live our lives like that, right? We don't live our lives like that. We know these truths, but so many times we get caught up in the world and the way the world does things that we tend to forget, man, that God does have a time for everything. And we miss out on the beautiful things of life. God has so much to teach you and I. Don't miss the moments that he wants to teach you, church. Every moment in your life means something. Every moment. Stop watching the timer and trust God right now in this season because he is speaking to you something, whatever you're going through. Amen? Whatever it is that you're going through, God is here right now and he's concerned about today. And so I'm asking you and I'm praying. I'm saying, God, help me and help my church, help us to love him right now and to serve him right now and the beautiful thing is that God goes on and he promises this in Ecclesiastes 11 and also in your bulletins he has made everything beautiful in his time can you take that in church he has made everything beautiful in his time see when we learn to trust God in his time and not rush through life and not, you know, be like the cookie monster with the timer and rushing through things. When we take our time and say, God, I want to learn from you right here, right now. What is it that you're speaking to me now? I promise you, God is going to make something beautiful out of whatever situation you're in. Because God makes everything beautiful in its time. And I'm not saying it might be now, but God's time is not our time. But his process is beautiful. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3.11, say it once more. He has made everything beautiful in its time. My question and challenge for you guys is this. Can you trust God in his timing? Can you turn off the timer? Can you slow down your pace and rest in God's perfect timing? This will only help us enjoy every moment and season of life. Speaking of time, I want to toss this over to Danny as you check this out, this next commercial out. This commercial is just one minute out of the 10 hours a day you spend glued to your screens. That's 152 days a year. That's 32 years of your life. Scrolling stuff, 
Clicking stuff, emojiing stuff, watching other people's pictures of their cafe macchiato, or their dog, or their baby, or their dog and baby, or the view out of their airplane window, or a rainbow, watching vloggers take something out of a box, watching reality shows, watching shows about housewives, watching shows about housewives in a different state, watching dragons, watching a year's worth of one show about a Colombian businessman in one evening, watching someone else playing a video game, watching cats being cats, swiping left, 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 shake. Right, left, right. Deciding if they picture is a labrador doodle or fried chicken. Deciding if they picture is a chihuahua or a muffin or a puppy or a bagel. Reading comments from someone you barely know. Posting about something you don't care about. Telling 647 people what's on your mind. Reading what's on the mind of 647 people. Reading a tremendous amount of opinions about politics. Well, Nike here in this commercial is giving us an important reminder. If you're taking notes, here's my big takeaway. And it's very simple, is that time is precious, isn't it? Isn't time super precious? Did you know that on average people spend 40 plus minutes a day on Facebook? 90 minutes a day, 90 minutes a day on a mobile device. That's, that's the phone that's probably in your pocket or in your purse or, or a tablet or iPad. People spend 20 hours a week on the internet. 30 plus hours on just watching TV. And then there's eight hours of sleep a night, on average. You know, we should. A good night's rest is about eight hours of sleep. And if you added all it up in, a, in an average lifetime, you would have slept 229,961 hours in your whole entire life. If you sleep about eight hours of sleep. That's one-third of your life laying down on your bed asleep. And time is so important, isn't it? Where, here's the big question. Where do you spend the majority of your time? Do you consider that time that you spend, is that well-invested time? This is an important question to consider because the truth is that there's numerous things that are always trying to battle for your time. It seems like almost every twist and every corner, there's another distraction to keep you from accomplishing those things that really, truly matter. Those things that are really more important. And time is so valuable, isn't it? Once you lose it, you can never get it back. You know, they haven't invented the time machine yet. And so you can't get your minutes back, right? Once you lose it, it's gone. You know, think back for a moment, just this week. Don't think too far back. I have a bad memory. But I can think back this week at least. Think about just this week. Think about how you spent your time. How productive would you say that your week was? How much time this week was wasted? You know, we all have responsibilities. We all have things to do. And listen, even if you're a kid, you're in school, and you have responsibilities, us adults, we have to go to work, or we have to spend time, you know, with, with what the stuff to do at home or whatever. So no matter what age or stage, we all have responsibilities at work. you got to commute, right? How long does it take to get to your workplace? There's the actual job that you have to do, and then there's the responsibilities of meetings and phone calls. Kids, they have homework, right? They have to study. They have their reading that they have to do, on and on. But besides your responsibilities, there's the other times. You know, maybe the more important and the, and the more meaningful investment of time. There, there's moments of rest, which is super important. There's margin. A lot, a lot of you guys are like, what's that? What's margin? Right? There's that extra space in the schedule. And then there's a meaningful investment of time. There's our moments of rest. There's these moments of recreation, of fun. 
There's time spent with family. Yesterday, my family and I, we got lost in Central Park and we went walking. We spent some just really meaningful time together as a family. So there's the time you spend with family and with friends. A lot of you guys spent time with friends last week, you know, sitting around the TV, eating a bunch of food you shouldn't have eaten, right? Watching the game, right? And you spend time with those that you really care about. Time invested in serving others and making a meaningful impact in others' lives. So if you look back to your week, if you think about it, would you say that your time was well invested? And would you say that the time that you spent was, was the time that was the things that really mattered to you the most? Was it those things that really mattered to you the most? I want you guys to look at what God's Word says. You also have it in your notes. It's in Ephesians chapter 5 in the New Testament, verses 15 to 17. So if you guys have your notes, you can follow along, you can read it up here. It says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. How do they live? They make the most out of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool. How do the fools live? They waste their time. They don't spend their time on the things that matter the most. Make the most out of every opportunity. Make time for those things that really, truly matter. Create space and leave margin for those moments that are truly meaningful. You guys know Maya Angelou? She's attributed for saying this quote right here. It's a lovely quote. It says this, Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. But so often, this is not how we live. We don't live for those moments that take our breath away. Too often, we're just too hurried and too rushed. And of all the things that you can do, this is the most ben- one of the most beneficial things that I can recommend to, to you as, as the pastor here, as a leader at Swerve Church. This is one of the most meaningful things I can tell you. And it's this. Listen carefully. is to make time with God a priority. And so often we make priorities of so many things, but our relationship with God takes the back burner. Man, the most important thing that I can tell you to, today is to make time with God a priority. And I think that most of us would agree with that statement. However, it's often, it's often those things that really matter the most that we usually give less time to. Isn't that right? You know, one of the things that I do to help me combat this is to prioritize reading God's Word. First thing in the morning, before I check my Facebook notifications, before I look at my emails, I, I dig into God's Word. I've been using the YouVersion Bible app to help me, and I read, I read through a plan, and I read some verses, and it helps me to really focus in on God's Word and make it first, first of the day. Now listen, I haven't always gotten this right, okay? I haven't always gotten it right. But lately I've been trying to make this my priority. Before I do anything else, I want to open up God's Word. And it's helped me. It's helped me so much. Not only in receiving the benefits, of course, that reading God's Word has in my life, but it helps me to focus in on the day. It helps me just to zero in and to focus in on what lies ahead and the task that lies ahead. It helps me to focus on the day and starts, and it gives me a start with like a divine clarity. Jesus taught us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And this is just a very literal way that you can do just that. Now, when it comes time, especially in a city like New York City, it tends to blur by with all the busyness of life, right? The next commercial will help us see that we don't always have to rush.
rains, it kills. Um, this one was a little bit more of a tough commercial for sure uh, to watch. Um, tough commercial to really digest, but a very important one for us. Um, and I, I was preparing this with Danny, and we didn't uh, plan these commercials and, and um, purposely set these themes to fall into place. This was all God, and I wanted to take it very seriously. This is one of the most serious commercials. God, God has really planned this for us. And I don't know why, I don't know, I know in my life there's some things going on. I don't know each and every one of you guys and what's going on in your life. But I believe God is speaking to us through these commercials and these common themes. And I think it's an important uh, reminder. And this is what I want to take away from this commercial. In your bulletins, you can go ahead and write this down. It's stop, pause, and trust in God. Stop, pause, and trust in God. The saddest image in that commercial for me, which broke my heart, was the little teddy bear. And as the teddy bear is soaked in that rain, and what is it showing you? It's showing you that whatever, when, when we rush through the life, when, when, when our actions um, uh, just overlook what our, our family, we, we affect those around us. And I asked myself this question, and I said, Stephen, does my pace in life affect my children? Does my pace in life affect my family? I want to turn that over to each and every one of us. Does our rush get there right now? we got to have it right now. At any cost, me lifestyle, does that impact those around us? Does it impact, impact those around us? And I want to go a little deeper. And I'm going to use God. God talks about, man, our sins in life, right, that has separated us from him. Does your sin, does my sin affect those around us? Does it impact those around us? And yes, it does. I want to look at Psalm 46.10. What does God say then? He says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Again, a very tough verse, but a very crucial one for us to grasp and to wrestle with. And to, to battle and say, God, help me in this moment to be still and know that you are God. And a couple of things I want to pull out from that scripture. The first thing is this. Your relationship with God is going to demand you to be still. Did you catch that? Your relationship with God demands that you be still. If you're going to go into a deeper relationship with God the Father, if you're going to have a deeper walk with Christ, if you're going to know the voice of the Holy Spirit leading you, you must learn to be still. And I know that that's a discipline. But what you're going to hear each and every week from Danny and from myself is we are working through this as well. And I think we make it clear that we are going to provide everything for you guys and for one another to walk this journey in Christ together. Because we are a family going through this journey. God calls us to be still and it is tough, man. It is hard. But you know what? None of us in this room has been called to do this alone. And so we're going to be with one another and equip one another. But we got to learn this church. And we lack it today, if I can be real, as, as a church. And as Christians, we lack the discipline of being still. And why is that? I think we're so consumed again with the stuff of this world. For some reason, we've become so addicted to hurry, to the hurry lifestyle. We become, it becomes so tough for us, right, to pull away, to stop and pause. And trust God. Hear this quote out. It says, this quote says, The deeper truth is that we live in a lethal environment. American society is filled with ideas and values and pressures and temptations. 
about success and security and comfort and happiness that we will not even notice unless we withdraw on occasion. Church, Jesus withdrew. We need to learn to be still and good alone with God. I love this quote one more. It says, A.W. Tozer says this. He said, God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and hear this, relax our nerves. That's so tough, and I understand that, church. It is so tough to relax your nerves, but it is a discipline that we must understand because our relationship with God is going to require you to be still, to trust him, and then you're going to know who he is. Number two is our relationships with one another, husband to wife, parent to child, brother to sister. Our relationships with one another are going to require that very same thing, for us to be attentive and to be still. How many of us lack that? When we, when we right away, we're talking to someone, we want to do all the talking. Sometimes it's best for you to be still and just, and just listen. Man, I, I'm heartbroken that this week I had to attend two wakes. My neighbor in his 40s, you guys have been praying with me, passed away, and, and I had to attend his wake. And a day later, I found out my, my brother's friend, who I also played baseball with, I think he was 36, also passed away suddenly. And these moments is when you don't understand, what, what are you, can you say? But offer hope. Offer hope and just be with someone. Man, sometimes we don't have to talk so much, but just be present, right? Our relationships with one another require that, brothers and sisters, church, children, for us to be still, to listen, to, grab, to, to attempt to understand one another. As a church, we say we're going to love God. We're going to love people. How are we going to do that? If we don't know who God is, if we don't take the time to get to know the people in our community, we say we're going to love God and love people. We need to slow down then. We're going to have to be intentional about that. We're going to have to trust God. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says this. We know this verse. It says love is patient. If we're saying we love God and we love people and we're going to serve God and we're going to serve people, we're going to serve Bushwick as we love Bushwick, we love the people of Bushwick, then you know what? It's going to require patience on our end. Because love is patient. Love is patient. Man, this very next commercial is going to sum up everything that we're going to talk about today. This is the commercial. If you, if you haven't enjoyed any of them, you listen up for this one. Because this one is going to blow your mind. It's going to really blow your minds. Go ahead. Man, I might just chill tonight. Okay, monkey baby. Okay, monkey baby. Okay, monkey baby. Anybody tell me what's the spiritual truth behind that commercial? Anybody know? Can anybody help me out? Okay, yeah, me neither. That's okay. We're not going to do that commercial, okay? Because I don't know what the spiritual truth is. We just put that to lighten up the mood a little, okay? I want you guys to check out this commercial right here. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
That's great. So here's, here's my takeaway from this commercial. If you're taking notes, it's number four in your notes. It's this, that we are created to create. We are created to create. You know, when I was a kid, I used to look out the window as my dad drove us by, right? He used to drive us around. And I used to imagine the dumbest thing. It was, it was so silly. I used to envision that there was a little ninja that was following us around. And he used to jump from building to building. But he didn't just follow us running and jumping. He used to do these little flips and these little, all these cool little ninja things, kind of like parkour, you know? And he used to just follow us around. And I used to just be like this. Just watching him jump, you know, in my, in my little head. Thinking about this little ninja that was running around. It was, it was an awesome ninja. And he, he followed us all over Brooklyn. Now, it's amazing the imagination we have as kids, right? When I hear the ideas that my kids come up with, they come with some amazing ideas that I could never, ever dream of. But as kids, we really have this imagination. There really is no limit to what we can think up as kids. Children have a way of looking at things from a unique perspective. But the truth is that we're all creative, and we all have the ability to create. You know, regardless of your age, from the youngest to the oldest here, we all have the ability to create. We, there really is no limit to what we can think of. You know, I was listening to a podcast recently, and the speaker said that everyone has the ability to be creative. Now, you may not be artistic, but you are creative. You are creative. So often... We, we mix up the two and we think, well, I can't sing or I can't play an instrument. You know, I, I can't paint the, paint the picture. I'm just not that gifted or creative. But you may not be artistic, but you are creative. And this is because we're all made in the image and likeness of God. We get this right from the very beginning of the Bible. When you open up the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we see that we're created. God creates man and he makes him in his image and likeness. And he turns man... And he gives man the ability to create. Erwin McManus is this pastor and he's an author. And in his book called The Artisan Soul, by the way, I highly recommend if you haven't read that book that you pick it up. It's a great book. Here's what he says. He says, all of us are works of art and artists at work. <clears throat> and this is never more prevalent than in the body of Christ. The local church, then, then you guys right here. We can never see this more than, than right now, than the people that are in this room. Because the church depends on it. Yes, the, the global church, of course, the global church depends on it. But, but us locally, Swerve. Swerve is dependent on artists at work. Paul says it like this in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. He says this, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Each one of us has a unique role to play in the church. And what's amazing is that God has placed you here to fulfill that very purpose. He's put you right in this room, right in this place, right at this time to fulfill that very purpose. Our mission as a church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And collectively, we use our gifts, we use our talents, we use our abilities, and we use our creativity to do just that. To reach people that are far from God and to introduce them into the family of God through Jesus. But maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, I can't contribute anything significant. I can't do it. It's no, I just can't. There's no way. Paul, the very guy that wrote this verse, begs to differ with you. Look what he says later on in verse 22. 
He says, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. You matter. You matter here. And we cannot fulfill our mission here in Bushwick without you. We can't. God has uniquely wired you in such a way to play a special part. We need you here at Swerve. We desperately need you. The people in this community desperately need you. We need you to step up and to realize how important you really are to the body of Christ. From the setup crew that helped get church ready on Sundays, to the kids ministry, to leading worship and everything that's in between, to helping people take their next spiritual steps on their journey, no, no matter what and everything in between, it's so important. Some of you have the gift to be able to encourage people, to be able to help, to give them an encouraging word through a Facebook message or a text. We need you. We need you. I'll finish this point with this challenge from Irwin's book. This was a challenge that Irwin gave in that same book that I mentioned. He said this, dream, risk, create. That's what we're calling you guys to do. Dream, risk, and create. In this next commercial, you know, we live in a world full of pressures on all sides. The old proverb says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. How do you respond to the pressures from the world around you? Check this out. This is awful. Try it. Oh no, that looks gross. What is that? You gotta try it. It's terrible. I don't wanna try it. It's terrible. It's like mango chutney and burnt hair. No, thank you. I have a very sensitive palate. Just try it! Guys, I think we should hurry up. If you taste something bad, you want someone else to try it. It's what you do. I can't get the taste out of my mouth. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. Shh. Dong, 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 Man, our raccoon friend wasn't a fool, was he? He wasn't playing now, and he didn't fall for that trick, right, kids? Man, the Bible has something to say about this, and it says something about being a fool, um, the Bible. But I'll take away, quickly, for those of you, again, taking notes, it's number five in your bulletin, is this. We become like those whose company we keep. Isn't that true? We become like those whose company we keep. Now, this, this, this particular commercial is for every single one of us, but I want to grab the attention of this side of the room right here. Right here, I want you guys to really focus in on this one, okay? We become like those whose company we keep. What does the Bible say about our company? In Proverbs 13, and in your bulletins, I think it, uh, we made a little, we left out the one. It's Proverbs 13, not Proverbs 3, so go ahead and correct that um, so that later on you can go and look at it um, in your Bibles. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes what? Wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, I love what, how the New, uh, New Living Translation says, and I don't, we don't have it in your bulletin, so just, I apologize, listen up. It says this, is walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and guess what? And get in trouble. And get in trouble. Here's a question for us kids. Who are you walking with? Who are you walking with, church? Who are you walking with? Whose company are you keeping? Now, raccoons are very popular where I live. You guys know already. I live in Park Slope. And uh, my, my, uh, my children's grandfather, my father-in-law, has a house. And in the backyard, there's always raccoons every single summer. They come and they visit us. They really literally like come and visit. They knock on the windows, they scratch, and they're there all the time. I think part of it's because, you know, they love them and they actually feed them cat food. Not smart. But again, it's Park Slope, and so we're used to the raccoons. And so they feed it. Every, every summer they come out, and we, we actually like, 
Even though we know they're up to no good, they're coming just for the food and to get into the garbage can and make a mess like this commercial. We're sort of drawn to what they're doing because this is fascinating, right? How many of you guys have ever, you know, seen raccoons? No? I know Danny has been, uh, he thinks I'm a liar every time he, he goes to Park Slope. He's like, I'm waiting for a raccoon. Yeah, trust me, there are plenty of raccoons. Ask my kids, I'm not lying. But in Park Slope, we have plenty of raccoons. And I love the raccoon there. He was not being taken for a fool. Kids, church. Friends, check this out. Friends will come and go, but they will have an influence in your life. That is true. Friends will come and go. That's part of life. You know, but they will have an impact on your life. Parents, the sad news is once your kids go to school, guess what? What happens to your influence over them? You don't primarily have that sole influence anymore. Now, that doesn't sit well with the parents in this room. Like, no, no, not my kids. But the reality is, and the truth is, man, they're in school, and they're going to hear a lot. You guys are going to hear a lot. And when we're at work, and if we are associating with the wrong people, guess what? We're being fed the things that they learn, and that's going to impact our lives. So here's a lesson for you guys. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Our company can either be a positive influence, or it can be what? A negative influence. They can either pull you up, or what? Drag you down. Your friends can pull you up, or they can drag you down. We need friendships. Okay, I don't want you all to listen to this and say, man, if that's the risk I'm running, then I don't want to be around people. That's a mistake because God has created you and I for friendships. He's created you and I for one another. None of us have been created to do life alone. Romans 12.5, since we are of one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. We need one another. Society can teach us the opposite of this, right? It tells you, go do your, do you, all right? You don't need anyone else. And there's some truth to some of that. But what the Bible is saying is this. He says, we need one another. You are not created to do life alone. The truth is, to live emotionally healthy lives, this is for all of us, we need people. We need one another. The danger comes when you believe the lie of saying and say, I can, I can do this on my own, or, or you've been hurt by relationships and friendships, and that happens, and you pull away, and you say, man, I don't want it anymore. That's when you become an easy target. We need one another. Healthy relationships require people in your life, and here's the challenge for us, church. Can we be this for one another? Can we be models for our children? Can we together love God and serve God? Can we love one another, and can we serve one another? Romans 12, 2 in your bulletins, it is there. It says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Amen. By changing the way you think. Who's doing the transforming in our lives? God. Let God transform you into a new person. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Church, we need to allow God to transform our mind. Give God your mind. He gave you a mind. Hand it over. Use the mind that he's given you. Word of advice. When you feel pressured into doing something you know isn't right, just stop and think it through. Simple. Stop and think it through. Because God has given you a mind. I love what the raccoon said. He says what? He said, why would I want to try if it's terrible? Common sense, right? Like, you just told me how horrible that is. Why in the world am I going to try it? Why in the world? 
He thought it through. Guys, think things through. God has given you a mind. Remember that we do need one another, but we need to choose who we hang out with. Our friends can either drag us down or pull us up. Think for yourself. You guys have been talking about maturity, right? Am I right? Guess what? Maturity requires you to think about what's right and what's true. If you're going to become mature, young adults, church, if we're going to grow in our maturity as Christians, as, as, as adults, man, it requires that we begin to think for ourselves and understand that God has given us a mind, so let's use it and think for ourselves. In our next and final commercial, I truly believe that everything we discussed here today uh, will be neatly wrapped up. Check out this last commercial. You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to get out of your neighborhood. You're not supposed to believe. You can do it. Yeah, you were told you were going to be one of the greats. They told so many others the same thing. You're not supposed to be here. have been enjoying so far the 30 second theology and having a great time it's been great lots of great messages a lot of relevant stuff and this is the last point here's what i would love for you guys to write down in your notes we're not supposed to but we will we're not supposed to but we will burial started off by talking about the super bowl right it was it was epic it was historic going into halftime the score was 21-3 in the favor of the Falcons. And it really seemed like it was going to be a blowout by any standards. I'm sure like half of America turned off the TV like, oh man, this is a whack game. Right? But the Falcons, the Falcon fans were going crazy and they were celebrating in the stands. And it seemed like it was a done deal. It was such a high deficit. But those of you that caught the Super Bowl, you know exactly what happened. You know about the historic comeback for Tom Brady of the New England Patriots. And they went on to tie the game and then eventually become champions in overtime. And I love this commercial because LeBron James is listing out all of the you're not supposed to's. Did you guys catch that? You're not supposed to. LeBron James is arguably the best basketball player in the, best, in the past decade in the NBA. And he had to surpass many obstacles in order to achieve the greatness that he has thus far. And if you've ever had to overcome the seemingly unsurmountable, then you get this. Like if you've ever had to overcome some, some tough times in life, then you totally get this. If you've had to overcome hardships and difficulties and trials in life, then you totally get this commercial right here. Like you just resonate with it. 
Casey Neistat is this famous YouTuber. I don't know if you guys know who he is. You might have seen some of his more popular uploads because they've gone viral on the internet. And they've received literally millions of views. And it's easy to look at this guy's success from the outside and say, oh my goodness, look at how successful he is and completely neglect all the hard work. And he constantly talks about this. People look at his YouTube celebrity status, but he's always talking about the hard work that he's had to overcome to where he's at, for where he's at today. Starting from dropping out of high school, he dropped out of high school, he had a baby at the age of 15, he moved from Connecticut to New York City, and he started sleeping on friends' floors in their apartments, and in, a, and in tiny studio apartments, all in pursuit so that he can become the filmmaker that he always wanted to be. And in the process, I'm sure he had to face a lot of criticism from friends and family members, from his own parents. And he was told that he could never make it. It was impossible. It was impossible that he would be able to make it. The obstacles were alone were enough for him to give up. Today, he stands at over 6.5 million subscribers on YouTube and is one of the highest viewed YouTubers on the planet. It's amazing the amount of, 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 of traction that he's gotten. And what's interesting is that we see this in the New Testament. We see something similar. Check this out. Philip is someone in the New Testament who has personally been impacted by the ministry of Jesus. He's impacted by Jesus and what Jesus is doing. He puts his faith in him and then he wants to tell his friend all about Jesus. So he goes to him and I want you to check it out. His friend's name was Nathaniel. You have it there in your notes. You can follow along up here as well. It's in John. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So Philip is coming. Yo, I met this dude. You got to check him out. He's, he's, he's just amazing. He's great. He's changed my life. I want you guys to look at how he responds. Look at Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel says, Nazareth? <coughs> Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip's response is simple. He says, come and see. And Nathaniel's response is interesting. In it, there's doubt. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Who's this Jesus from Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. <clears throat> there was no way that anything significant could come from this town, Nazareth. Listen, Nazareth was a small rural town. Not a lot of people. A, 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 a city of impoverishment. Very poor neighborhood. How can anything great come from there? Or could there? Or could something great come from there? Turns out that this was Jesus' hometown. And Philip was trying to get his friend to experience this very greatness. Jesus from Nazareth. And as I think about this, I, I, I think about some questions. And there's some questions that I want to ask you guys. Can anything good come from Bushwick? Bushwick is the seventh most impoverished neighborhood. In New York City, 140,000 people in less than two square miles, failing schools on every corner. Can anything good come from Bushwick? The fatherlessness in this, in this neighborhood is ridiculous. Can anything good come from Bushwick? Yes. Can that be? What about you? Can anything good come from you? Us sinners, us people broken with problems, with difficulty, with hardships, with different backgrounds and different upbringings? Can anything good come from you? Can anything good come from me? What about this question? Can anything good come from Swerve Church? From a group of misfits 
that get together to love one another, to serve this community. As a church, we set out to love God, to love people, to serve our community. Can anything good come from this ragtag group of people? From this community of people that wants to love one another, that wants to serve this community, that wants to read God's word and preach the gospel faithfully? Can anything good come from Swerve Church? I'm believing that God has placed us here for a reason and on purpose to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And I know that we will do anything short of sin to reach people that are far from God. Because to reach people that no one is reaching, you have to do things that no one is doing. And that's why we'll, we'll look silly on a Sunday and come with jerseys to church and, and we'll sit down and watch commercials and pull messages from them. That's why we'll do outreaches in the street and look silly cleaning up neighbors' blocks and giving out granola bars and invite cards because we will do anything short of sin to reach people far from God. We will love God. We will love people. We will serve our community. We will come out of nowhere by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that needs it in this neighborhood. Can I get a good amen? amen. Let's pray. God, I just pray, God, that you would fill us with this fire, God. Put a fire in our bones. God, would you break our heart for what breaks yours? God, would you help us to see every time that we see somebody in the street that is far from God, that's addicted to drugs, that's in a broken home, that's living in poverty, or break our hearts for them, God, and fill us, Lord, with, with a jealousy for the things of God, and fill us with a passion for the gospel, to be able to share it, Lord, with those that are outside, to share it with our friends and our family members that are far from you, God, to invite people into community, to invite them in here so that they can hear the gospel preached, Lord, that we may go forth from these walls, Lord, to share the hope that we have, that we found in Jesus Christ, Lord, help us not to be hoarders of this good news, help us not to sit on our blessed uh, mattresses and beds and homes, Lord, and not offer anybody the hope that we found in Jesus Christ. God, give us the courage to go out and to share the truth of Jesus Christ to our friends. Help us to love our neighbors. God, give us the strategy. Give us the, the way to do things, Lord, so that we can love and serve this community, God. I pray, God, fill us with this passion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.